Pentecost, the birthday of the Christian church, or celebrated as the birthday of the Christian church, the day on which we remember the coming in a special way of God's Holy Spirit. Just a few words of um, introduction to the service. There will be a lot today that is not in English. If you want to follow the Bible readings when we get that far, there are some Bibles laid around on chairs because there will be no Bible readings in English today and quite a lot of our singing will not be in English. This is a celebration of Pentecost, a celebration of the diversity that the Holy Spirit brings. So our call to worship. Come, Holy Spirit, Breathe into our prayers your breath of life. Come, Holy Spirit, fan the flame of love within us and draw us into the life of God, Father, Son and Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, renew us and revive us that in our worship and in our living we may live a life of love for the praise and glory of God. And now let's come to God in prayer. Let us pray together. Spirit of God, you are the breath of creation, the wind of change that blows through our lives opening us up to new dreams and new hopes, new life in Jesus Christ. Forgive us our closed minds, which barricade themselves against new ideas, preparing the past to what you might want to do through us tomorrow. Forgive us our closed eyes, which fail to see the needs of your world, blind to opportunities of service and love. Forgive us our closed hands, which clutch our gifts and our wealth for our own use alone. Forgive us our closed hearts, which limit our affections to ourselves and our own. Spirit of new life, forgive us and break down the walls of our selfishness that we might be open to your love and open for the service of your world through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. So a passage from Genesis This will be read in high German, not in Swiss German, but it will be a Swiss German accent. (lacht) Es hatte aber alle Welt einerlei Zunge und Sprache. Da sie nun zogen gehen morgen, fanden sie ein ebenes Land im Landesinea und wohnten daselbst. Und sie sprachen untereinander, Wohlauf, lass uns Ziegel streichen und brennen, und nahmen Ziegel zu Stein und Erdharz zu Kalk. Und sprachen, Wohlauf, lass sie uns eine Stadt und einen Turm bauen, der Spitze bis an den Himmel reiche. 
dass wir uns einen Namen machen, denn wir werden sonst zerstreut in aller Länder. Dafür der Herr hernieder, dass er sehe die Stadt und den Turm, die die Menschenkinder bauten. Und der Herr sprach, siehe, es ist einerlei Volk und einerlei Sprache unter ihnen allen und haben das angefangen zu tun. Sie werden nicht ablassen von allem, was sie sich vorgenommen haben zu tun. Wohlauf, lasst uns herniederfahren und ihre Sprache das selbst verwehren, dass keiner des anderen Sprache verstehe. Also zerstreute sie die Herr von dort aller Länder, dass sie mussten aufhören, die Stadt zu bauen. Daher heißt ihr Name Babel, dass der Herr das selbst verwehrt hatte aller Länder Sprache und sie verstreut von dort in aller Länder. Our second reading is from the book of Acts, chapter 2, verse 1 to 12. I'll be reading in Swahili, the language of Eastern Africa. Siku ya Pentecost ilipofika, waumini wote walikuwa wamekusanyika pamoja. Ghafla sauti kasikika kutoka angani. Sauti iliyokuwa kama upepo mkali kajaza ile nyumba yote walimokoa wamekaa. Kisha vikatokea vitu vilionekana kama ndimi za moto ikagawanyika na kutua juu ya kila mmoja wao wote akajazwa na roho mtakatifu wakaanza kusema lugha mbalimbali kadri roho alivyowawezesha na huko Yerusalemu walikuwa kwa wayahudi watu wa mchao Mungu waliotoka katika kila nchi duniani waliposikia sauti hiyo kundi kubwa la watu likakusanyika wote walishtuka sana kwani kila mmoja wao aliwasikia hao waumini wakisema kwa lugha yake mwenyewe walistaajabu na kushangaa wakisema je hao watu wote tunawasikia wakisema hivi si wenyeji wa Galilaya imekuwaje basi kwamba kila mmoja wetu anawasikia wakisema kwa lugha yake mwenyewe baadhi yetu ni waparthi wamedi na waelami wengine ni wenyeji wa Mesopotamia Judea Kapadokia, Ponto na Asia Frugia na Pamfulia Misri na sehemu za Libya karibu na Kurene. Wengine wetu ni wageni kutoka Roma. Wayahudi na watu waliongokea dini ya Kiyahudi. Wengine wametoka Krete na Arabia. Sisi sote tunasikia wakisema kwa lugha zetu wenyewe mambo makuu ya Mungu. Wote walishangaa na kufadhaika huku wakiulizana, "Hii ina maana gani?" The third reading is in French, Acts 2, verses 14 to 21. Alors, Pierre se leva, entouré des anges, et d'une voix forte, il dit à la foule, « Écoutez-moi bien, vous qui habitez la Judée, et vous tous qui séjournez à Jérusalem. Comprenez ce qui se passe. Certains d'entre vous insinuent que ces hommes seraient ivres, pas du tout. Il est à peine neuf heures du matin, mais maintenant se réalise ce qu'avait annoncé le prophète Joël. Voici ce qui arrivera, dit Dieu, dans les jours de la fin des temps. Je répandrai de mon esprit sur tous les hommes. Vos fils, vos filles prophétiseront. 
vos jeunes gens par des visions, vos vieillards par des songes, recevront des révélations. Oui, sur mes serviteurs comme sur mes servantes, en ces jours-là, je répondrai de mon esprit. Ils, prophétis ils prophétiseront. Je ferai des miracles et là-haut, dans le ciel et ici-bas sur terre, des signes prodigieux. Sang, feu, colonne de fumée, et le soleil s'obscurcira, la lune deviendra de sang avant la venue du jour du Seigneur, ce jour grand et glorieux. Alors seront sauvés tous ceux qui feront appel au Seigneur. The final reading is from the book of Revelation, uh, chapter 7, reading verses 9 to 12, and I'm reading one of Europe's oldest living languages. Ar ol hyn y drachais, a wel a dyrfa fawr na allai neb eu rifo, o bob cenedl ar hollwythau a phoblwydd ac ieithoedd, yn sefyll o flaen yr orsedd ac o flaen yr oen, wedi eu gwisgo a mentyll gwyn a ffalmwydd yn eu dwylo. Yr oeddent yn gweiddi a llais uchel, un diw ni, sy'n eistedd ar yr orsedd, ac i roi'n y perthyn y waredigaeth. Yr oedd yr holl yngylion yn sefyll o amgylch yr orsedd, ar hynyriaid, ar pedwar creadu'r byw, a syrthiasant ar eu hwynebau gerbron yr orsedd, ac yddoli diw gan ddweud, Amen. Un diw ni y bor mawl, ar gogoniant, ar doethineb, ar diolch, ar anrydydd ar gallu, ar nerth beth bythoedd. Amen. Can I thank our readers? I don't know about other people, but I just found that lovely to hear the different rhythm and feel of languages from different parts of the world read in different accents. And even if we couldn't understand every word, there is so much in the Bible that is transliterated from Hebrew or Greek that we find words that we recognize whatever language it is being spoken in. So thank you very much, all of you, for being willing to do that for us. It really, for me, has enriched the service already. I wonder if you've ever wondered what it was like that first day of Pentecost, as we now refer to it, all those hundreds of years ago. People of many nationalities who spoke different languages and dialects suddenly found that they could understand what was being said to them by a Galilean former fisherman. It was morning, it was an ordinary working day, a day when most people would be busy with their everyday tasks. And yet, we are told that this lot seemed like they'd just come out of the most amazing beer fest ever. It seemed like they were sloshed, or drunk, or a bit under the influence. What was going on? What was it like for those people? Well, we're going to hear an imaginative reconstruction from Nathan of Pamphylia, who actually to me sounds more like he comes from South Wales, but Jeff will probably correct me on the accent As Nathan of Pamphylia recalls what happens. Yachida. The name's Nathan from Pamphylia. You know where the cheese comes from? 
I got a goat called Phyllis, so I call my cheese Philly. <laughs> you probably seen it in the market. Only joking. Well, Megan, my wife and I, we were down in Jerusalem the other day with another couple there from the valleys as well. Yian, the leather worker, he can stitch them up, can Yian, and his wife. Bit of company like when you're in a strange country, different customs and the like. Well, we were down in the town centre looking at the stuff that they had for sale on the market stalls. Typical tourist. When this amazing wind got up and started swooping and swirling on the people in the stalls, and then what sounded like a riot coming from this particular house. We looked and, and through the open window you could see people shouting away with what looked like tongues of fire coming from their mouths, but no one was getting torched and the house certainly wasn't burned. They all looked as if they were having some wild party, you know. <laughs> And then I hear Yian shout in a way about how our young people will proclaim the message of salvation. Funny, I thought, because Yian's not like that. He's more of a nutter than a Methodist. <laughs> then I realized it wasn't Yian. It was this little Chinesey chap shouting away in my language from the valleys. How could he possibly know my language from the valleys? And then I hear somebody else shouting away about how I must turn from my sins and be baptized in Jesus' name and receive the Holy Spirit. And and I looked over and it was this big black Ethiopian chap. How could he know my language, my dialect from the valleys? And he seemed to be talking just about me when he talked about the need to get right with God. And I had to admit to myself that I had strayed a bit, you know. Well, a bit more, more than that, actually. And I, I looked over at my wife, Megan, and, and she said, in, in tears of joy, praying away, hands in the air, and I looked over and see my friend Ian, big strapping second row, man of the mountains, Ian, crying on his knees, asking for forgiveness for all his, you know. And then before I know it, I was on my knees, crying and moaning and, Crying and moaning. And then this beautiful peace and joy, unexplainable joy. I'll never forget the day that was. Pentecost, the day the Holy Spirit came. So how is it for you this morning? How did it feel to hear familiar Bible readings in a different language? Or for some people in your own language, unusually, rather than in a a different language. You had the option of following in an English translation if you so wished. But did it somehow engage you or did it just feel like a babble that didn't make any sense whatsoever? In recent years, it's become quite fashionable to preach on Pentecost as being the reverse of Babel. But actually, I think that's a little bit oversimplified because it neatly avoids the fact that to this day, people speak in different languages and different dialects and different accents all over the world. Sometimes all of us find it difficult to understand people who speak a variation of our own first language if their accent or idiom differs significantly from our own. I remember going into the subway station down the road and asking for a ticket 
when I first moved here, and the person behind the glass didn't understand me, and I didn't really understand them, yet we both spoke English. So it happens. I think rather than a reversal of Babel in a full and final way, what Pentecost does is it gives us a glimpse of the vision of Revelation. It's a moment in time when something of that vision that um, Jeff read for us in Welsh was experienced in the here and now. So what I'm going to do is just talk a little bit relating the three readings, I hope, as we think about what Pentecost might mean for us. The first 11 chapters of the book of Genesis are some of the best loved, but also most controversial in the whole canon of scripture. We have two creation stories, one in Genesis chapter 1, where God speaks creation into being in a certain order, and we have another one in Genesis chapter 2, where God makes things out of dust in a different order. And there has been a lot of foot stamping over the years of people saying, well, it's this, and no, it's not, it's that. People get kind of polarized, which is really unhelpful, because it's missing the point that this is poetry, theological language, not a scientific treatise on how God did it, or a historical account in the way that we, in the 21st century, understand history, how history has been written and understood has changed over time. These are stories that were told by people who believed the earth was flat and far smaller than we know it to be. When we read them, we've got to be careful to move beyond a kind of careless literalism and understand what actually is being said to us about God. It's a theological piece of writing. And I think essentially what it says is something like this. God undertook a project of creation that included the whole cosmos, the earth, the plant life, the animal life, and the human life as we now understand human life to be. Humans have had and have free will to make choices. And those choices inevitably have consequences the choices that humans have made since the dawn of time have affected the whole of creation on earth, the animal life, the plant life, the rivers, the oceans, the mountains, the hills. And now, in the 21st, 20th and 21st centuries, also space. There's an awful lot of space junk out there that's been put up there by humans. The full story at the end of Genesis 2 tells us about a series of dislocations. A dislocation between human beings and God. Between human beings and animals. Between human beings and the earth. Between men and women. And as the story continues on, it's a mysterious story, it's a confusing story, but we see dislocations between brothers, between Cain and Abel. We see dislocations between nations and ultimately between languages. If the first 11 11 chapters of Genesis tell us nothing else, it's that as humankind developed, it went further and further away from this idyllic picture that we have at the beginning of Genesis. And the story culminates in this Babel account, 
a story that would actually be incredibly funny if it wasn't so sad. People have grown clever. They have learned how to make bricks as well as how to hew stones from the rock. And they've learned that brick making and building with bricks is faster and easier than the process of hewing the stones and carrying them to where you want them. And that using tar is quick and easy. This tower that they built, that is meant to be the pinnacle of human achievement, is actually something like a mid-20th century concrete tower block. It's cheaply built with the intention of being impressive. It kind of cut corners. They didn't want to hew stones. They didn't take the time to make a really beautiful thing. And actually, you know, it's a laughable enterprise. They have this idea that if they build this tower tall enough, it will reach God. They'll get to heaven. That's just crazy, isn't it? The idea that you can build higher and higher and higher and you'll get to God. It reminds me a bit of the, the story that's told of the astronaut who, when he was out in space, said, well, I've got this far and I haven't seen God, so he doesn't exist. It's this same idea that if we got far enough, we would get to where God is. That human endeavor can build a literal staircase to heaven. Well, it can't. That's just stupid. And in this story, that stupidity is evidenced by the fact that God, in the plural, has to go down to where Babel is because the tower is never going to be tall enough to get to God. And so the languages get muddled up. The final dislocation in this world where so much has gone awry is the muddling up of the languages and people can't understand each other anymore. Most Bible commentators see the first 11 chapters of Genesis as setting the scene for what follows in Jewish, Christian, and even Islamic understandings. We need to remember that those three religions all share the Old Testament as we know it as part of their holy scripture. We started off with this beautiful creation with perfect harmony between people and animals and plants and the planet itself. And it was damaged. And now God's work of redemption begins. So in Genesis, we then see God calls one man, Abraham. And through him, one nation, Israel. And through the long, tortuous path of human history, opportunity after opportunity to restore those dislocations. Pentecost was an important Jewish festival established soon after the exodus from Egypt. It was a kind of harvest Thanksgiving when people gathered in the first fruits of the crops. For us, it would coincide pretty much with the soft fruit season, the time when our forebears would have made jams and jellies so that they had fruit in the winter. So just a few weeks after people recalled how God led their ancestors out from slavery, they celebrated the abundance of God's generosity in providing food from the earth. 
even with all the difficulties that growing food entailed, if you remember the Genesis story, it's one of the parts of the, the fall story is this dislocation between people and the earth, that growing food becomes hard work. Despite all the hard work, there is something to celebrate in this first fruits harvest. So for those who like metaphors, and the Bible is full of metaphors, Acts, uh, Pentecost, as recorded in Acts, becomes like effectively the first fruit of the new, the new covenant in Jesus. Jesus' kingdom breaking in has its first real impact at Pentecost, just a few weeks later, as God's Holy Spirit, active since the dawn of creation, once more sweeps the earth. Well, certainly the part that they knew, anyway, bringing new life and new hope. And for a moment, all that dislocation is undone, and the newborn church can glimpse where one day it will be. At Pentecost, people heard in their own languages the words that Peter and others spoke. As far as we know, this was a one-off moment. It doesn't seem to be the case that the apostles continued to be able to speak languages they hadn't learned. The real miracle is in that moment, this multilingual crowd, which I think I counted was 15 or 16 different nationalities, could understand as one people. Even now, we have countless human languages, and we know that the Bible isn't translated into all of them yet. We still live with a dislocation between nations and races and cultures. There are still dislocations on the basis of gender or economic status or education. There are still dislocations between humans and the rest of creation. As our planet bears witness, global warming, the running out of resources, this is all part of this dislocation as we have abused our place in the created order. But Pentecost, this one day a year, remains a significant moment in the process of redemption and reconciliation that was begun at Calvary. On that day, in a remote part of the Roman Empire, people were granted a glimpse of something very, very special. A restored humanity in which nation and language just disappeared. These people thought the world was flat. And if you went too far, you would fall off. Australia and America didn't exist. Probably Britain didn't exist as far as most of them were aware. There was no such language as English. Not even though Chaucer or Shakespeare spoke it. And yet those people in that place at that time glimpsed something of what John of Patmos later wrote about in the book we know as Revelation. For me, that passage in Revelation is one of the most beautiful in the whole Bible. A restored humanity, people of every race, tribe, nation and language, it, all worshipping God together. It's a lovely image, but it ought to challenge us as we try to picture it. 
doesn't say that the language of heaven will be 21st century British English. It doesn't even say that the new creation will have one single language. It doesn't say, as I've heard people say, that human diversity will vanish. It doesn't say we'll all have the same skin colour or be the same height or the same level of intellect. I think this is a vision of a reconciled diversity, not a replacement uniformity. As we celebrate Pentecost Day, the day on which God's Spirit spread over the earth and enabled people to understand the good news and then empowered them to share that with others, we too have the opportunity to glimpse that restored creation. And we have a bit of it anyway. People of different nations, different languages, different experiences, different theological understandings, different backgrounds, all united in our love for God as revealed in Christ Jesus and each committed to play our part in living and speaking good news into a world still afflicted by dislocation and distrust. That's what Pentecost is about for us. We glimpse what it is we can be, what we are and what we will become. Now, I don't actually think when you go out of that door, the people in Byers Road are going to think you're drunk. That's probably a good thing, really. But there is a call for each one of us to live that Pentecostal change, to defeat the confusion and babble and babel of a disordered world with the good news of Jesus Christ in what we say and in what we do. Because this is the birthday of the church. This is the day on which we remember how the power was given for people to tell the nations the good news of Jesus Christ.